Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. those of you who are tuning in right now, my name is Toyon. I'm a productivity coach and a co-author of the book, Perform, The Unsexy Truth About the Startup Success. I'm here with my co-author, Chris Dubow, and a couple of the founders who we featured. We found uh, having interesting and relevant examples and stories and featured uh, in the book, along with 50 other founders. We're here with Anna Stefanov and Anna Thompson, uh, CEOs and founders of their own companies. And uh, before we get into the discussion about today's topic, which is effective planning, I'd like to give you guys the uh, the word to introduce yourself. So let's start with the lady once again. Anna, would you tell us more about who you are and what do you guys do with Wild Code School? Sure. Thanks, sir. Um, so I'm uh, Anna Stepanov. I founded Wild Code School seven years ago, uh, basically. This is a school that teaches technical skills to adults, adults who would like to change jobs, careers, and um, who don't have lots of time. So our trainings, they last for five months. They are very intensive and they are in partnership, mostly done in partnership with companies so that students who learn technical skills, they really learn the most up-to-date skills and then they can go and work after the training and currently we have campuses in several european countries a lot of them in france but also in germany in uh, in spain and some others and we trained in this past year more than 1000 students just to give you an idea of, of our scale great anas very cool yeah so i'm anas i'm the ceo NCTO and co-founder of uh, No More Hours. Um, I have a background uh, as a management consultant. I'm also a self-taught programmer, so I will probably have benefited from going through one of your schools, uh, Anna. Um, I also had a chance to work in private equity uh, for a short while as an investment manager before I started uh, No More. Um, no More or No More Hours. Is, um, has a purpose of helping uh, particular management consultants or consultants or business professionals with their PowerPoint slides, um, saving them time on visualizations um, and helping them make those impactful slides. We've been, uh, we've been around for five years. Uh, we have uh, 30 people across our offices in in Copenhagen, Portugal, and now also starting up in, in Mexico City. Um, we serve clients from all around the world. Many hundred thousands of PowerPoint slides for these guys um, every year. Thank you, Anas. And if you can ask the, the guys in the office uh, if they can be a little bit more quiet because we're here in the microphone. Uh, I can see you guys are working. So, uh, Cristobal, uh, last but not least, uh, let, uh, let us uh, have a little bit of your story for the viewers who don't know you. Yep, so co-author with Stoyan of, of the Perform book. I'm the CEO, El Patron in Startup Wise Guys. We probably today 
the largest uh, or the most active early stage investor in the in, in Europe. We did more than 80 investments last year uh, and accelerating companies mostly from the new Europe, uh, Baltics, uh, C and CIS. Um, personally, the funny part talking about planning is that I used to be the, the head of planning or the vice president of planning or whatever you want to call it, planning in a, in a mobile operator more than 15 years ago. So and I, I consider myself a planning geek, even if people that knows me will say, you and planning are two different things. Um, so always very interesting to, the, to talk about the topic and see how also planning is needed when we're scaling, which is one of the things that not only we look in our portfolio, uh, but wise guys today have gone from five people to 35 people. Uh, have presence in six countries physically and more to come. So I think planning becomes a, a key skill, especially when everybody's working remotely. Uh, and you will hopefully touch a lot of these challenges overall growing, but also within the current environment of COVID. I think it has making it even more interesting. How do you do planning sessions on mirror boards and things like that? When before you just were used to get into the same room with a board, and how our creativity and capacity to, to share that is impacted by something. It's a super interesting moment to talk about these things. Thank you, Christopher. And I, to, before we get into the discussion, I want to remind everybody who's tuning in for the first time, this is the second performed panel discussion about effective planning. Just like every time, we would like to give away a few books for those of you who ask a question and we feature the question. So please, if you have a question about effective planning, a story that you want these founders to, to share with you, drop a comment and we'll make sure to take as many questions. And Christopher, to the, to the thing that you started talking about, why is it important for a founder to, to be really, really good in planning? You know, a lot of founders, they're, they're just all about doing things, right? And you, you've seen, uh, you've invested now uh, with Startwise Guys in over 250 companies, You've seen, you know, hundreds and thousands of uh, founders. Why do you think founders should plan effectively? Yeah, we use this sentence, right, in the book, the bringing the future into the present, right? Uh, that's kind of what planning is all about, right? I think on the very early stage of companies, we have limited resources. Uh, so it's everything about what do you don't do, right? So if you don't plan it, people will do whatever they think they should be doing. Uh, and not will be, be aligned of what are we doing, right? So to me, planning is, at the beginning, is mainly about deciding what we are not going to do. Uh, and then making sure that we're all working in the same direction. Uh, I think as, we, as you grow, it's basically a lot about the allocation of resources. It's to make sure that you, you don't become a big company in which any new task need, needs a new people, any new process needs, needs a new department, right? So how do we effectively keep using resources and how do we make sure that we have people basically uh, as effective as possible? And then, how you would touch before, when plan doesn't go according to plan, what do we do about it, right? So what is the key thing of a startups when they scale is not to lose their, their capacity to execute. The problem with many companies growing is they lost their ability to execute quick, right? And the thing, and I told, I was talking to my department yesterday, one of the departments is like, Oh, can we do this? I said, oh, we'll take three weeks. And I said, does it take three weeks because the tax takes three weeks or because you have many other things to do? Because well, I want to make sure that we keep still execute in one week or in two days or in one day, whatever we need. It's more about do we set the priority on doing it or not, right? So to me, it's making sure that we don't lose our capacity to execute quickly 
and that we can decide what are the trade-offs of what not to do to, let's say, anticipate or not anticipate any tax that we're doing in the company. Anna, what about yourself? Uh, I know you, uh, from the interview you gave to uh, to, the to the Perform book, and, and I remember for you also mentioning how important it's always to be on top of things with planning. When did you start to to be consistent with uh, with your sort of like a process of planning? And what do you do actually to, to make sure that the priorities are, are really kept in place? Yeah, um, this is a very important topic for me. I, uh, I think I'm not bad at this even though I'm always trying to improve and uh, I don't think we do have the perfect system right now. Like every time I see ways to improve it and I'm not satisfied, I think it needs to change. Like the system you plan things in a company needs to evolve with the size of your company. So you don't plan the same way when you are a very small company, when you are getting bigger and bigger and when you have hundred people, when you have more people, like you change your ways of doing it. So I totally agree with uh, Cristobal on the fact that planning is a lot about what we don't do, like what we don't need to do, because we all the time we have great ideas. Like everyone in the team has great ideas every day. And it's very important to find some way of um, kind of finding out what are the ideas we need to do, like things we need to do, and what are things that are not important and we shouldn't do. And that's where planning comes in. There is also another important reason why we need to plan is how we make things happen. Because um, like we, we can have great ideas, like kind of dreams. Usually when you are a founder, you create a startup, you have a vision, like you start, like that's, that's the way I started, like have this vision, you want something to do something great, you might be very ambitious, and then there is this huge question, how do you, do I get there? Like it's so far, it's so huge. And uh, probably know this proverb, how do you eat an elephant? Like an elephant is huge. The answer is you eat it in pieces. And that's what planning is. There is another expression that I like quite a lot is that uh, goals are dreams with deadlines. So that's, like, I really love it because like you can do everything, but you just need to set a deadline and split it into pieces. So that's the, the, the principle, the core of planning for me. Then how you do it, I said in the beginning that it changes over the time. So in the very beginning, when, we, when I was alone, maybe when we were a very small team, I think the planning was maybe kind of less important in general, it would take, um, less time uh, it could be oral you we were probably in the very beginning not necessarily writing down all the things we could just uh, talk in the morning to get aligned and then uh, at some point draft some kind of thoughts uh, some kind of action plan some kind of business plan uh, but it was done quite quickly. I think, I think I didn't spend lots of time on this. And later, like maybe five or maybe like five years into doing this, uh, when I had 100 people in my team, then planning became much uh, more important. And it's 
started taking lots of time actually when we started having processes of planning <laughs> so at some point to some extent um kind of it can be frustrating because as a person as a founder you're um, with all this um, kind of approach of startup being quick and efficient can be disappointing to spend so much time just drafting those plans uh, you just feel like we just need to go keep on going and doing things but it's also important because it gets people aligned so actually i feel like my time is spent more and more maybe unfortunate it's unfortunate maybe but that's the the, the reality right now on get on making people aligned so doing less myself but just making sure everyone is aligned so defining some kind of key goals based on the global vision and key goals maybe for a year and then the key goals it's like three words i'm trying to keep it very simple in the book uh, you you said that i i like simple words and it's true also for planning like for me it's very important that goals are simple easy to visualize easy to memorize like easy to put on paper to share so that everyone can easily remember them if somebody on the team at some point tell me hey what are our goals for the year and if they are not able to come up quick quickly with those three keywords it's probably there is a problem probably it was not enough of communication so like the the, the, the initial step is about setting those key goals um, and then the the second step would be to to split them into um, kind of more operational objectives like for example in the business of schools it's how many students we would like to have this year or this semester uh, and for this how many people do we want to reach uh, in terms of uh, our events because this is a way of, uh, of reaching out to many people and some of them then will become students another very important objective for us is the job placement rate for our students so we define those key important um, uh, indicators kpis um, based on uh, i think business model and key areas of uh, of the, the funnel of our students uh, prospects then candidates then students and then alumni and so we have those few kpis and those are our operational objectives and they are defined in our case on a semester basis so we have those three keywords like bigger goals for year then semester-based operational objectives and then we function on a quarter-based projects so every team member um, define key three to four projects that they will be working on a particular quarter in a particular quarter and again here for me it's very important that these things are easy to remember so everyone um, has to define them we need to get agreed so i need to validate them and then everyone shares those things and uh, people uh, work on those specific projects and then in the end of the quarter they would um, um, we will review all the all the um, projects what we've done what we haven't done why we haven't done etc so this this is like a hierarchy of objectives right yearly 
big objectives than more operational or semester-based, quarter, more project-based. And then we have very kind of smaller things on a daily basis. Um, but this is more and on my level, I would say, this is a more everyone is managing themselves their to-do list. So I'm not uh, doing mi micromanagement. So I'm not checking what people do every day. I'm more working with quite autonomous people and I like uh, to, to have confidence in them. But uh, myself, I have a kind of ongoing to-do list, for example. So every day I add things to this list. I use a Google document actually for this. I've tried several tools, but uh, I figured out that uh, the simplest for me is just a Google document where I just add lines and they can structure them in, um, in uh, some categories. And then uh, finally, uh, um, well, I, I do things, uh, then I erase them from the list and then things add up, etc. But I do not necessarily review every day the whole list more like i wake up in the morning and i'm thinking in my head what should i do today so for me it's a lot of in kind of visual visualizing things and usually priorities are there on my mind from the very morning and tones that are not important they stay on paper and sometimes it's okay if they stay just on paper so I will stop there because I, I've talked for quite a lot already. Anna, thank you so much for several really important points. As Christopher and Anna know, this is one of my favorite areas to explore. Uh, one thing that uh, came to mind while you we were speaking about uh, this was, actually I mentioned this in the book, usually when I do a workshop on planning, on productivity, or have a one-on-one -on -one session in companies, somebody will come and say, yeah, but Stoyan, I don't have time to plan my time. We're just so busy. And I think this is this is like, yeah, of course you don't have time to plan your time because you do not plan your time. It's a paradox. Like, and it's about really prioritizing the time to, as you said, to set the objectives, to define the priorities, and to make sure that everybody is aligned and they know exactly what is their ownership, what are the deadlines, who should they go to? Like, what is the kind of the structure around this specific project or a task? And then we aligned and we know what to do, but it also gives us answers about what not to do. So I think it's a really, really great um, several points that you mentioned, Anna. And one thing that's also kind of interesting to me is uh, you mentioned that your planning kind of a priority for you to, to plan has been evolving and maybe reached a point after four or five years. I'm curious about Anna's. Because, um, you know, he's coming from McKinsey, he's been, you know, uh, doing all, all those kind of things. Was it the same for you with the growth of your startup? Did you start early on to prioritize, to plan, or how was the evolution for you? A really good question. Yeah, so it definitely changed a lot uh, throughout the years. Uh, we did start out, you know, very biased by my background with having... Uh, even though we were a super small team, you know, we had work streams and we had, you know, we had almost like steer codes or advisory board meetings with a certain frequency. And we were being, you know, very, how can you say, like by the book consulting this like in the way we were, we were thinking about these things. Um, so I think in that way, we kind of, you know, probably started where most big company ends. Um, 
and I think in many ways, I think there was that was a big mistake uh, on our end. Um, I think what would have been more beneficial for us is to have a, a much shorter time horizon, and then probably instead of you know thinking about all the potential things we can do in parallel with all the you know great work streams and all the people we can we could get in, you know, what we would have benefited more from is being like like that was also pointed out a few times being you know much more selective. Um, and I think to some extent we were a little bit the victims of this idea of, you know, not not really saying no that much, but just more saying yeah, yeah, that's also a great idea, and then just try to find more people and you know push ourselves more to just do more things um, instead of you know really being considerate about you know where where we put our time. Yeah. So the short answer: we started out, you know, in this sort of we almost started out like in the C20 kind of planning uh, setup with multi-year uh, forecasts and you know long long projects and time horizons and so on. And then um, over the sort of you know over the last years, we kind of changed to a more. I think I'm almost not gonna. I don't like saying the word agile, but I guess that is kind of what we, we are doing in by having planning. Um, Horizon that's only you know uh, three months three months at the time. So we we follow the sort of the OKR uh, approach uh, more and more, and are, are taking taking sh shorter um, decisions basically in terms of how, how we allocate time. Um, but then we spend more time about being very very particularly about the things we do and the things we don't do. So we we definitely been on a journey. Yeah, and we have uh, several questions coming in. Let's just uh, give a shout out to Andrews, who's saying hello. Katrina is saying hello as well. Um, somebody is saying, Anna, the objective approach sounds reasonable. Your broadcast has attracted 10 watchers. We should get more on the channel. Keep them coming, guys. Uh, that's uh, what I'm going to say. And let's take maybe a couple of questions coming from, from the audience. The first question is again from a LinkedIn user. We'll see who that is afterwards. So the question is, how much time is needed to plan a startup from idea to operational business? Me and my team of developers would need to get in business within four weeks, meaning having paying customers to ensure our run rate. I can start answering and uh, maybe you can complete. Um, I think it can take a few hours to several months. It really depends uh, the details that you want to have in your plan. But I would definitely not recommend spending several months. I mean, I think it's possible to have a, a decent startup business plan done in uh, maybe like in a few days. If you are skilled in particular in doing this, you have some kind of, for example, consultancy background can help, but definitely you don't want to spend like weeks and weeks on this because like for me, the business startup business plan evolves all the time. So you really need to start doing and planning and replanning all the time. Um, so for example, just to give you a very short example, when I started, I didn't necessarily have a plan, very clear plan in the beginning. So I just wanted to do something and I really believed it. And it was more like a call, like I really wanted to do this thing and I, I believed in it. So I just started doing it with the least of costs possible. So just for, for low cost, not paying myself 
paying no one actually, trying to make it happen, <laughs> bootstrapping. And then when I saw that it was kind of getting some traction, then I started developing some business plans. And in the beginning, it was so hard to imagine how it could go. So I remember having multiple scenarios. So don't go into too ma many details. And in the beginning, it's very possible, I think, to function with few hypotheses, um, being just reasonable. So a few days can be enough. That's my answer. What do you think, guys? Yeah, well, two things. I think you are doing the wrong thing. Uh, because if you need in four weeks, means you want to pay your salary. and uh, means you're having the wrong objectives. Uh, you cannot run a company to pay your salary, uh, at least at the beginning. You need to you need to do it because you have a passion to solve a problem. But skipping that part, uh, I think you only need two things. One is you have three milestones. Get the MVP, start sales, close contract. And then you have to run a sprint every morning uh, for maximum 30 minutes to say, what are we doing today? Because you only have four weeks. You plan every day for about half an hour. You, at the end of the day, summarize and go. And you have, hey, in five days, we have to be, do the MVP. That's the only thing you guys have to be doing, right? So it's planning every morning in a sprint model and having very clear three key milestones in one month. And that's it. Then if, you, if you're alive, you can start thinking about other type of planning, et cetera. But again, if you only have four weeks and it's to pay your salary, I will not waste your time. I will keep yeah. your job and wait until you can do three, four months at least, and then start again, because then you can really build the right thing. Yeah. If I, if I can continue on that, I definitely agree with the, the, the time frame seems very, uh, to be honest, very, quite unrealistic. Um, I think if I was in your shoes, I would, I mean, let's say you, you actually, you're aiming for these four weeks. I think you have to spend a lot of time talking with customers. So you have to know exactly what are they willing to pay for. And then I think I would actually try to either get them either part of the sprint, so get like get some really close involvement for the clients. And then ideally you want them to prepay before the thing is ready. If, if this is like really what you want to secure revenue in four weeks, I think assuming it's a B2B product and then, then getting them, you know, because they like you and know you and trust your vision and your background and stuff like that, getting to prepay you for, for the work you're doing and get them as part of the process. I think to me, that's not like the only real realistic, you know, way to, to get to that. Yeah, I completely understand. Maybe a way to, to do it is running Google Sprints methodology, which basically in five days you can be testing functionality with customers. And that also serves as a pre-sale to the customer yeah. uh, as a, maybe a way to do it in that way also, that involves research, delivering the first kind of real like tested with customers, ask for prepayment, build again, build again. Right? Yeah, and of course you can give like big discounts and all that stuff to get them motivated and all that, and they can have a harder influence on it. But I would definitely have to spend like I mean, given that you have a team of developers, I think some of you have to be the salesperson in this foot to make it realistic and, and get out there and figure out, you know, what are people are willing to pay for. Great. Another question which I think is also quite relevant for many, especially early stage um, founders, is coming again from LinkedIn, how do you effectively plan time for prototyping piping phase when you need to try a lot of different things, sometimes ending up starting everything all over again? Why do you assume you need to do a lot of things? 
you need to basically test one thing at a time because uh -huh. if not, you don't understand the results, right? So to me, it goes into the opposite is plan one thing, execute, test, get feedback, start again, uh -huh. right? So to me, it's don't try to do too many things at the same time because then you don't understand what is working and what is not working. As with understand every you always need to get customer feedback. So try one thing, get feedback, one thing, get feedback. And once you start getting enough feedback, then you can plan which of those things you're going to execute over time and plan those more effectively, right? So to me, is the key thing is do one thing well, get feedback, do it again, get feedback. Uh -huh. you, you don't have resources for more. Yeah, and actually, I think I think one one thing that we definitely a mistake we definitely did was that we did not spend enough time on the get feedback and talk to clients part. And I think a lot of people, especially like people with developer backgrounds or more introverted people uh, like myself to some extent, they will have a tendency to prefer the building part over the speaking to clients and you know, getting feedback from them. Um, so I think that that definitely worth stressing as well. And I really like we actually did the the Google Sprints uh, that you mentioned, uh, Christopher. I think that that is a really good methodology for for getting you know things out there and making it real. Um, especially than just clearing your calendar and then do, just don't do anything but that for for a week. I think that that definitely uh, is a great tool. There's a question that's similar. Uh, so Amanda's. Slap says, my team has a similar challenge for coding and UI. Currently, we're at max three months for prototyping and testing with clients. Too long time for fast markets. One week. All you need is one week. Get feedback one week. Get feedback three months. You cannot do anything in three months. It's a large company, right? So, Yeah. I agree. I mean, then if the coding is what keeps you back, then just do the UI, you know, throw start up Figma, you know, do uh, do some, some rough UIs, and then show that to the clients. And then you'll get a sense of way in the right direction. Uh, so just yeah, less, less time on coding might help you, you know, do, do the prototypes faster. I remember I did an interview with uh, Victoria Vasilenko. She's also uh, one of the founders we featured in the Perform book. And what she shared is she she built an MVP web page for four hours, and then she went out and she landed her for a customer, and then she stayed for this for I didn't I don't know four or six months because she was busy. She got a few more customers, and she was like, "Don't don't wait, don't waste so much time trying to code and to to build something before you know actually if if people want it and need it." Uh, so definitely some really really good points. Um, we have a question from Maria. Do you or your team take any online trainings to make sure you stay sharp, especially during this pandemic? Is that for us? Or that's in general. So this is a question to the three of you guys. I think the question goes beyond online, right? Is do we prioritize trainings on our own teams? And I think this is one of the cases in planning. Everybody's so busy. Uh, and your own team is not learning, right? So we even uh, throw a challenge to our own team right now is can we learn more from each other, right? I have 35 people, there is so many good skills, you know, hey, how do you moderate the panel? You know, let's run a session on it, right? So right now we started this every fourth Friday, four hours of training with people, volunteers. I want to teach something, talk about something or learn about something. Uh, and then we search and in the learn about something it might be time for you to go to an online trading 
because you never find time, right? So to me, our priority as CEOs is to make people sure that they have time, that they know that they can take some time to do the trainings, that they can take some time to keep improving, that not everything is execution, 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 because we are looking ahead. We just are looking at tomorrow, right? Uh, and for sure, online now is the way to go. Right? So that's the vulnerability. So me, our role is prioritize time for our people to be able to train and to make sure that there is cross-pollination of knowledge in the company and that we make time for that. But maybe I can add um, my vision as a training provider because we, um, we thought actually in the beginning of this uh, pandemic that people will have more time to do some online and not just uh, remote trainings. And we even conceived a specific program of very short uh, trainings in the beginning for people staying at home. And actually it didn't work at all. It was like a total failure because I realized that people were not thinking about this, like at least in the beginning of the pandemic, that they were overwhelmed with all kinds of issues, uh, health problems, thinking about uh, some people were losing jobs, others were not uh, having enough uh, things to do at their jobs, even though they were keeping them. So people were just not mentally free to think about new training. So that was kind of a revelation to some extent for me that this period was not that good for, for learning actually. And in my company, we started in the beginning of 2020 an internal training program where People were sharing knowledge through short uh, learning sessions within the company. So those who really knew something would do a workshop on those, those topics every week. We started it and we stopped it uh, when the pandemic started because just we realized that people were not open, like when not available mentally for, for those trainings. So maybe things will change now because people get used to it. But uh, yeah, in the beginning, it was difficult. So in general, my observation is that people were less available for online trainings over this period. Great. Um, I can share my sort of all quick take on it. So for the particular like online courses, I think we had one case where our HR manager did an online course. But that being said, training and of course, being online is everything else at the moment is like a really, really big focus on us. Um, but it's not so much with with uh, um, other providers, but it's mainly things we run in in house. Um, so what we do is that everybody that starts out goes through a two week, uh, what we call no more university, where they, we get to understand the basics of what we do and get really deep in, in the particular role. So that's one effort. Then we have a relatively strong uh, focused feedback on one-on-ones. So all managers need to do a monthly one-on-one -on -one, uh, where development goals and thereby also training and so forth is essential. Um, then we have what's called weekly, weekly or Monday recaps where um, we, we pick a handful of different topics that's been relevant throughout the week. And then a, a team leader you know, presents a video summary of those and kind of reminds people how things certain works and introduces new features or whatever it might be. And then this is the last last piece of the puzzle to us is that we have retrospectives, so very sort of sprint-oriented um, elements where we have both in the management team and in the tech team. We have, you know, once a week where we talk about 
know, what have we learned from the week and along with other things, of course. But then we also talk about, you know, did, did someone learn something else? Did they listen to an interesting podcast? Did they see, you know, a new in the tech team in particular, like did someone come across a new technology or a new library or something like that? So, you know, it's kind of, you know, training is really built into way we, the way we run the companies. Um, but we haven't really given, you know, people have not been more busy or been this busy. Um, so, so we, you know, dedicating time to separate online courses has been been a very small thing for us. Right, and let's let's get back to um, the topic of strategic planning. Anna already shared some of the ideas. Uh, Christopher, you shared in the book how you're doing strategy sessions, and I think it will be very useful for the listeners to to hear some more operationally how you guys structure strategy sessions. How often do you do them? What are some of the agenda items to make sure you have an effective planning session? So, Christopher, maybe let's start with you with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we run two things. Uh, I think we try to run a, an offsite usually in September, so twice a year, but it's a special focus in September about the next year strategy, in which we kind of spend two and a half days completely offsite, just talking about it. And what we want there is to kind of grab the bigger, the bigger themes, right? Uh, this year, we actually did it a bit later. We did it in December, uh, just because there's so much uncertainty that I wanted to have uh, more data points to give to the team. Uh, and then we're going to draw three, four big topics with about two to three topics below. And then I ask the different head of departments is, can you build over these your battles, right? So the analysts were talking about OKRs, which is, you know, if these are the 12 strategic goals, what are the three that you believe your department is going to contribute the most? And can you drive below deliverables and KPIs, right? So we start building the quarterly planning, right? Uh, so once I have built the strategic and the business plan financially, I need my people to own it, right? And the way to own it is to start defining where are they going to influence? What are the deliverables? Uh, and, then, and then we, in between that one, one step forward, that's what we can incorporate, right? Is we are actually doing capacity planning. So what I'm trying to do is estimate all the uh, large operational key strategic projects, which resources you need, how many people you need, etc. And say, wow, in, in May we have 150%. Do we hire? Do we prioritize, etc.? And then on the quarterly planning, apart from bringing the deliverables strategies, we go tracking. So what did we track it was going to happen, what really happened, right? Because one of the key issues that we find in startups is people don't know how to plan, people don't know how to track. Uh, and you need to teach them, right? They have never been in big companies. At the maximum, they were doing one project at a time. And then suddenly they find themselves in a 40, 50 people structure with five different offices, everybody online. So how do they plan capacity, right? So you need to coach them. First, I think first you'd say estimate, then you say, start tracking your own time and start understanding how you effectively use it. But don't track it only for you, track it related to projects. Because sometimes you say, we started tracking. I would say, I did five hours on writing a proposal and three hours on sending emails. So that's great. You know how you use your time, but how is this related to the projects and to the company, right? So I think there is a big element about how we, do, we drive from annual to quarterly to departmental to personal and our job as management is to make sure that it's all happening and it's flowing. So the last guy in the company understands how they influence the results and they still feel part of this company. The second one is the coaching about how to do it. 
we cannot assume they know how to do it. They have never been in companies that were doing planning. They, most of them have always been entrepreneurs. And it was all about launching the MVP and the first sales, right? Not about coordinating 19 projects across six countries. And if you want your people to grow, you are responsible of coaching them in that process, right? So we started mostly with first a big effort on tracking, but you don't want to be the typical annual planning left that nobody cares about next year. You have to go into how do we track, how do we plan better, and how do we prioritize? So the key, oh, I want to do this new project, okay? So we were 100% capacity. Which one are we not doing? Which one are we delaying? Which one are you more efficient at doing than you plan it, right? I think, and we do that quarterly. So I try to do that on the 15th of March, on the 15th of June, so about 15 days before the next quarter, in which we first look at tracking back, how what did we do versus what we planned, uh, and then okay, let's what is new that we want to incorporate, and then what are we really going to do, and that's kind of the and that also the OKRs I think what helps really is an accountability and ownership, right? So they know what they can influence, but they know what they're accountable for because if not, the moment you start growing. Uh, it's always somebody else's fault and you're going to corporate style, right? And you need to make sure that accountability and ownership remains within people. I think that's what makes a difference in a startup. And you need to make sure in this process of growing, you're not losing that, right? It's not simple, eh? Because they don't know, they have never experienced this. You know, Arnold has from McKinsey, Anna probably has been in other companies. We have experienced it. Uh-huh. Most of our people, they have never experienced an annual planning process they didn't even know what the hell is this guy talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it sounds uh, i think in many ways it sounds you know relatable to our process in terms of what, what you guys are doing um i mean i think we are probably like maybe slightly less structured and since we don't have the specific dates narrowed down on the calendar <laughs> it can only also be the um no but i think i think i think our process is very similar to what you described first of all um, we all, we have a one uh, annual strategy meeting where we have um, our investors involved as well, and then what we mainly discuss on that one is like what is the the high level topics of the year, and there's normally you know something like really you know is it one or two um, very sort of high level aspects. So for example, right now one of the topics for this year is that we want to um, create a, a foundation for growth in in Mexico. On the sort of supply side of our our, our company, so that that's one of the, the big topics that we are spending a lot of time on. So, um, and then you have a few other um, topics, but then I think it's it's limited down to to three topics. Of course, that doesn't mean that um, you know, parts of the organization that has nothing to do with our Mexico setup don't have you know OKRs and ambitions as well. But we just we, we're trying to make it relatively simple in, in that sort of. Uh, that strategy decision and um, also to make it make it simple to remember for everybody. Uh, but I think other than that, I think our process is very comparable. You know, uh, now turn turn the turn the high level topics down to uh, objectives and into key results. Make sure that everybody on the team feels accountable. Make sure that they all have their name next to some key results. Uh, make sure we follow up and track on them. Um, so I think I think in many ways it relates uh, closely. Yeah, I can can say a few words as well. Um, I think the objectives key results system is great, and it's really the, really the reference today on the market in terms of uh, planning. Uh, however, it needs to be adapted to 
every structure, every company, every stage of the company. So it evolves all the time. So I, I based on the questions, I see that many people who listen to us, they are more early stage and it's quite difficult to be very detailed and perfect on this. Like, uh, like I can tell you after seven years running the company, it's still far from uh, the, the, the perfect example of the way we would do it. So um, I think uh, you should, you can always uh, improve, but just do the best you can, basically. That's what I would suggest. And um, for me, the role of uh, the, the CEO is very important in the strategic planning. So at some point, somebody has to define those things to, 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 to articulate them. And that's the role of CEO. And uh, people who join the company, they, they also need to, to participate, be involved, but th there is the, the CEO who defines the objectives at some point, like the biggest, the global goals. So it, just to give you a few examples, how it happens at Wildcode School, we have um, several ways where people can talk strategy. Once a year, we have uh, this global team reunion. Usually it happens in August in a very nice place. Uh, well, physically, if possible, it was not the case this year, but previously we tried to make it also a party for a few days. And at this time, I'm giving a talk, like the CEO talk, just one hour talk to inspire everyone to set those global objectives. But then everyone participates We, for example, uh, run a hackathon where people from the team work on various topics they can choose and uh, try to think about a project that we might launch over the upcoming months or year or years maybe so that's a very participative part then over the year we have a true uh, kind of committees internally that help us work on the strategy one of them is called wild vision it's like a very small group of key people from the team we meet once a month and we really just talk key topics um, topics that are on the agenda that are important and that we want to work on so we have this kind of freedom there to choose topics we want to work on the other uh, committee it's called wild guard it's more like the guardians of, of wildness the spirit of the, the culture so it's a bit larger committee where people unite talk uh, every week and we can uh, we, we exchange information uh, things that happen in on different teams and there we can also talk about uh, some strategic strategic things and myself obviously uh, as a ceo i'm listening to everyone at those different on those different occasions and when i come up with my talk uh, in August, it's usually based on those various uh, discussions that we had. So I don't just come up with something completely new. It's mostly making clear the, the vision that evolves through those different discussions throughout a year. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's how we function now. But I think, again, when you start your company, um, strategy can change almost every day. So it's, it's okay to kind of be cool on this also and to not necessarily work too hard on one planning project um, because like just let it evolve 
regularly. That's the way to be agile today, I think. Yeah, I think I think it's a really good point about the company size. And I think, yeah, also given the questions, I think what Christopher also stressed with the, the Google Sprints and just like fo focusing on getting that revenue to stay alive. <laughs> I, think, I think in the beginning, that's what you want to do, right? You want the company to exist. And then I think you just need to spend half an hour or something like that per week, just making sure that you only spend time that increases the likelihood of survival. In the end, everything else is kind of wasted. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just emphasizing that I, I think on early stage, uh, you need to make sure that you have a vision and then that you're executing, right? That's all it matters, right? And I think the key thing that we want to talk is you need to incorporate planning as a team as part of your process, right? I don't think you need to make too much strategy, one-year strategy. You have a vision and then you need to execute. But to execute efficiently, you need to have a process to plan together and to be aligned that every day you're working in the same direction, right? And, and that's the key thing at an early stage. And just answering a bit a couple of the questions there, just to kind of throw it. And launch as fast as you can to get feedback as fast as you can. Stop making perfect products. The key thing is to execute is to have feedback because you're not you're blind in executing, right? So make sure that you launch as fast as possible. And as soon as you can put something that can get customer feedback, launch it. Yeah. I, I wanted to add one more thing. I think it's important also to know yourself, how you function as a person and how your team can function. Because I know that there are people who function really well on the very tight deadlines. Like when you tell this group of people that they need to deliver something something in two days, they will be very creative and they will deliver and will be cool. There are other types of people when you tell them this, they will be so stressed, they will do nothing. So for some, there are other people who need more kind of perspective. They don't, they cannot function under those very tight deadlines. So you want them give them some kind of space, tell them, okay, we'll need to launch like in a few, like it depends, it depends obviously on the project, but for example, I, I can give you a very specific example. Uh, in the beginning of 2020, with the beginning of uh, the epidemics, we, we, want, we decided to launch our remote program. So before we only had trainings on campuses and it was new, but we saw that there was really a very important potential in uh, offering our training remotely. Uh, so that was in March. And obviously it would be great to launch it as soon as possible. So what I did was to, find, to, to identify one person on my team who was responsible for the launch of this new product, right? But this person wouldn't function well if I told her you need to launch it by the end of the month. I, like it wouldn't work, it would be a failure, I think. So what we said is that tell, I asked her to tell me how much time she needs to launch. So she, she spent some time thinking, doing her own planning. She came up with some kind of reasonable timeline. I added more time and I told, okay, we'll launch it in September. So, and that really helped her to have space, time and be kind of calm in design and thinking and being creative and launching it properly. So it really also depends on the type of the person you work with or yourself, if you, you're, you're talking about yourself or the group of people. And yeah, th think about this um, kind of approach. 
on the tight deadlines or not. And I maybe want to just summarize what you guys were discussing during this session. I think a lot of people get stuck into trying to find the right planning process or method. And yeah, but I don't know if that's the right. What should I? At the end of the day, it's about consistency and it's about getting better with each session. Like frequency of, of actually creating the space for you and for your team to figure out what are the priorities right now? Are we aligned? What are the core priorities right now? And, and I love what you, Cristobal, said that at the beginning, it's kind of like you, you, you are having a car in the dark. Your lights can go just as, as far, right? You, you can't see things in six months because it's too early. But again, you need to have something you're after. What are the results? And that's why we also emphasize a lot about results and outcomes. Instead of we need to focus on this thing, what is the result we are after? What are the concrete results by the end of the week? In two days, maybe we'll have a team discussion and we realize we need to move. We need to change direction. But still, it's a lot more productive and efficient if you have already defined clear, specified goals. And that helps the team to focus, to be really focused. Um, so I agree. Uh, but this also complementing something that Anna was mentioning before. We also need to know ourselves, right? So I think... I don't think you can be a CEO in a startup if you don't, if you're not a bit of a visionary. So you need to be the one driving a vision, right? I think many CEOs can be very visionary and even maybe very efficient planning their own time, but very bad at planning the team time. Oh, so I think sometimes we also need to recognize that I'm not good for my team to be the planner, and maybe my CTO has to be the planner. Or so you don't need to be the one driving or facilitating planning sessions all the time. You know, in our case. We have the luxury to now being able to hire a COO, right? And it's a combination, you know. I drive the vision and the strategy, but my COO is facilitating the grounding of it, right? And we back and forth, right? But in an early stage team, maybe your CTO is more real, right? Or your CMO is more real, right? So don't get ego that, oh, because I'm very good at planning my time and I'm very visionary, you need to time plan the team. Maybe somebody else in the team has to do that. Uh, so Put, keep it always in mind. Not is just CEO is a title. Do something that you do well, right? And if you are good at vision, usually you're not great at planning. At least planning for the team. Again, don't confuse that to be super efficient at using your own time, which probably most guys are at the beginning because that's what they became. Or if they are experienced at least, right? And maybe final question, Anas. Let's let's just finish with this question, and then we kind of wrap up the whole session because the time is going there. Uh, how do you personally make sure that you're on top of your own time, having in mind that you have to run a team, but you also have to get things done on your own? So, so just quickly, briefly, give us uh, you know some pointers, and then we'll wrap up the whole session. Sure. So, how do you ensure that? I think the way I think about it is that. In the end, um, give, given my role, my my outcome, my productivity is the sum of everybody that reports to me of their productivity. So I, I always have like try to have a mindset that says like, what are the things that I can do that helps the people on my team to get their shit done? Sorry for swearing. Um, so I'm always like thinking, but I, am I in some way the bottleneck on someone else's activities? And I always put those things like on top of my list. Because, you know, if I'm blocking someone else for doing something, you know, that's kind of, you know, lost productivity right there. 
So I always try to move those things up as much as possible. And then besides that, I try to carve out time, like very you know, practically, you know, block my calendar saying, you know, this, this is something that I really, really need to do because it's a part of my OKR. And if I don't do it, you know, everybody else can work effectively. I, I block that out. Um, and, and what I do is like every morning, I spend like five or 10 minutes going through, I have a very similar to you and I also have like a very, very long to-do list with like, a, it feels like an unending number of items on it. And then let's try to spend some time saying, which are the things that I that is like you know must do right now things, which are the things that can wait a little bit, and then I, I, I think about that, and then to actually share it with the entire team. We have a we have a channel where everybody posts that they let's do. So I said this is what I'm planning on doing, and block the time, and then you know I, I get to it. So that that's like in a very practical way I think about having have to get get everybody else you know rolling and still have the time to do a little bit of stuff on my own can i say uh, a few words on this yes go go ahead and then we wrap it up i, I saw you unmute yourself so uh yeah go ahead yeah yeah i, I just wanted to, to share one um, understanding that i had uh, some time ago i realized at some point that i will never do what i need to do at any particular point like i have too many things on my to-do to list every day like for example i can never read all my emails I'm not talking about uh, like uh, structuring, uh, sorting them out. Like this is not possible physically. It's not possible anymore. So I, I thought I need to become comfortable with the fact that I will never do everything I want to do. So that's very important, I think, for a CEO, especially if you're ambitious, because you always have those great ideas that add additional things to do. And then, and then I'm totally aligned with you, Anders, on the fact that I think the best way to use my time is to empower people on my team. So try to do the least possible things yourself and help others be the most efficient they can. So that means making things clear to them, working with them on their objectives uh, and coaching them. So that's always like my top priority when there are things to do. And maybe just was one last thing on managing my own agenda, like the week. Um, I realized at some point that uh, I was getting disturbed all the time, but many people calling me, asking me, writing me emails on Slack and everything. And I had never time just to work on something on a longer, like consistently for a few hours. So I decided a few time, like a few weeks ago to block all my mornings. I don't want interviews or I don't want um, meetings. I don't want anything of it. Obviously, it always gets disturbed still, but I'm trying to stick to this as much as possible. And this gives me some extra time, actually, actually to go into some deeper points. That's the book creating space for deep work amazing guys it's been such a pleasure having you on the stream let's just wrap it up right now with uh, having a quick round of uh, each of you sharing uh, just a few words about how can people find you find uh, what you do with your companies and of course if you can also share with us why should people get a copy of the perform book where both of you are featured and of course this panel is supported by so let's maybe start with, we started with the lady. Let's finish with the lady. So uh, that means go. I go or uh, <laughs> actually, I mean, let's start again with her. So like, so, so Anna, let's, let's go with you and then. Yeah, sure. So you can find me um, on LinkedIn. 
definitely don't hesitate. I usually accept all the, the demands. And you can check our website, Wildcode School, if you're interested in, uh, in tech trainings or interested in hiring people. Um, and then uh, I definitely recommend reading the book because there are some great pieces of advice. And I think it, it can really help you gain time and be more efficient. And it's very well written, I would say. So easy read. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Anas. Very cool. So in terms of um, um, where, to, where to find us and what we do, um, I think what's a repeat when Anna said uh, LinkedIn, I feel free to connect and write me. Um, other than that, I think our website, nomorehours.com, is, is a place to read more about what we do. And particularly if you if you know someone, great talents in Mexico City that's into project management or design, uh, <laughs> Please, uh, you know, let them know about us. We sort of trying to find um, almost as many great talents as we can right now. So that would be the the, the shout out uh, from me. Um, why you should you should buy the book? I think it's filled with uh, very sort of practical, tangible advice and a lot less bullshit than you find in other um, sort of startup focused books. I think, and it's it's filled with a lot of great examples. Also, with examples that, that you don't necessarily read on, on, you know, as commonly on TechCrunch and all the other American media, so you get a more, I think, a more European feel to the to the uh, companies mentioned there, which I think is kind of cool. Thanks, and Cristobal. I know there's a new batch that's uh, wise guys that's that just uh, people can apply to. If you want to shout out, yeah, I think basically our website is always up to date. There's a lot of things running, so we are about to start a SaaS batch in April in Tallinn. So applications are open. We will announce a new program in another vertical in the next two weeks. But, you know, website is always open, uh, very active on LinkedIn. You can also hit me there. And I like uh, I like a comment. Hey, actually, I really honest about the European feeling. So is examples of somebody on the corner of your neighborhood, not in the Silicon Valley, which I think we're tired and it's very difficult to relate to. But I like the comment that Luis shared with us this last week. It's like an operating system, right? So it's the basics of an operating system of what you need to put in place to feel less loss about what do I need to have in place to make sure that our chances to succeed in, uh, are greater, right? So I like it as an operating, uh, for aspiring founders or even early stage founders, an operating system to guide you. You can always come back to, but with lots of practical examples of people that you can also hit, relate, link to that might give you real ideas and it's somebody by you. So if they have done it in the other corner of Riga, of Copenhagen, uh, you know, or Sofia, you can do it. Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, there's people that are closer to you, founders that are just like yourself, uh, you know, growing up in the same environment with the same mindset. And a lot of the tools, you, you don't have to use them though. Uh, this is the whole thing about the perform methodology in the perm book is, you first make an assessment. Where are we right now? Where are we thriving? In which of those areas we actually doing quite well? And if we're not, can we get some inspiration from people uh, over 50 founders like Anna's, like Anna, who's uh, who's out there in the trenches doing it for, for a number of years and what actually really worked for them? What are the strategies that really work for them? So, so hopefully you can get some inspiration to to build your team even better than it is right now and, and focus on performance, focus on culture, focus on the team, on all these areas that are important. So 
if you are interested, go check out the, the webpage. Uh, and if any of you who's watching and listening on the podcast right now is interested to, to meet some of these guys and to be part of this community, uh, just drop a comment and we'll send you a link to a private Facebook group filled with uh, founders like these guys here. And everybody's there supportive. Everybody's uh, chipping in, sharing advice. It's all about growing together. It's about this building this community of entrepreneurs in new Europe. Not just entrepreneurs. There's a lot of, you know, consultants, professionals, and so on. But but it's really all about helping each other to to build better companies. So um, just drop a comment that you want to be part of the group, and I'll make sure to to send you a private link. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Anna, Anna's Cristobal, for being part of this. And see you next week again for another exciting Perform Panel discussion live. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performers and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.